Ignite Impact Podcast. I am Tracy Purdy, and I believe that people are placed into our lives at every step in our life journey to be an integral part of our story. Here on the podcast, we will talk with individuals who have influenced me, helped me grow, nurtured me, inspired me, transformed my thinking, and enriched my life, and will do the same for you. We will be covering a variety of subjects, so stay tuned to be inspired and encouraged. This week's guest, Mary Carter Keel, is an independent health coach and business coach to health coaches. She coaches holistically as she knows in addition to nutrition, mindset, environment, stress management, and even how finances can impact our physical well-being. She is certified through the McDonald Center for Obesity Prevention and Education through Villanova University and is in the top 0.5% of her company. Her aim is to make generational impact as her clients and the clients of the coaches she trains change their habits, which influences others around them. Ultimately, her heart is people living fully as who they were created to be with no unhealthy mindsets and habits holding them back. While she is all of these things, she is also a mom to three awesome teenagers, wife to Brad, an adoptive mom, homeschool mom, a church planter, a disciple of the gospel, and truly challenges people to dig deep and pushes people to have meaningful friendships and relationships. I know after every encounter with Mary, I am challenged and encouraged beyond what I could have imagined. Join me as we welcome Mary. Welcome, Mary Keel. Thank you so much for carving out time from your busy schedule to come visit with us. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I've loved, let me just say, I have loved listening to the great conversations you're having and you just really draw people out. And anyway, so excited to be here. It's, I mean, honestly, it's been a whirlwind to get this one on the books. It's been in the works for a while now, but I'm thankful that we're actually able to get together. And while we are neighbors, our schedules have been hard to navigate. So I'm really grateful for this time. I would love to start off by um, you telling us a little bit about your background. You grew up in Gulf Breeze, right? So kind of. So my my parents are both from Pensacola and my, my dad was in the Navy. So Early, I was born here, but um, moved away as a baby, lived in Virginia Beach, lived in San Francisco, and came back in middle school. And okay. so Gulf Breeze has always been part of my life because my grandparents were here, but landed here middle school through high school. Okay. And then you went to... Went to Florida State. Florida, right? Oh, my gosh. I'm just Don't kidding. <laughs> FSU. And what did you decide to study there? So there I studied psychology and I had a minor in religion. Which is fun. Did you meet Brad there? I did not. You didn't meet Brad there. I did did not. So I worked in college ministry for two years at Florida State after I graduated. And then my boss, he got a new job in Louisiana. So he asked me to come with him. So that's when I met Brad. Oh, in Louisiana. Yeah, he was at the University of Louisiana, Monroe. Okay. And yeah, he was finishing up school. 
he was getting, they call it PharmD, so doctorate in pharmacy. Okay. And he was the worship leader at the BCM. And, you know, then we started our clandestine relationship. (laughs) Yeah, from there. (laughs) So you and I have connected on many different levels, but as adoptive moms, we have connected. And I've already cried this morning visiting with (laughs) with Mary. Yeah. Just about things. But did you and Brad always know that you wanted to be adoptive parents? I've thought a lot about this. You you go back and you kind of think, how did all this happen? Right. So adoption has always felt normal to me Mm because my mom was adopted. Mm -hmm. And I remember in college as I really fell in love with the word of God, just seeing multiple times that true religion essentially is to care for the orphans and widows. And I knew there was a huge problem of kids not having families Mm -hmm. and I remember thinking I can't solve all of this but I can adopt at least one child yeah and so I just knew I knew that I would adopt Mm -hmm. and so when I started dating Brad I was pretty early on I was like just so you know part of the package here this is what's gonna happen (laughs) but the Lord in intervening years really spoke to him through Stephen Curtis Chapman, he, I think he did some, I just remember there being some video or whatever, and I just feel like that's when it became fully Brad's. So all that to say, we did always know we were going to adopt, so we have two biological children. Mm-hmm. For us, we didn't have any, any trouble getting pregnant, right? And mm-hmm. so, um, at least at that time. So tell us a little bit about Zolay's story. Yeah, so we had Carter and Belle, and Maybe when they were two and four, we thought, oh, it's about time. Let's start thinking about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so we started to get into that process. And not long after that, we had an invitation to join a church planting team in San Francisco. So as we prayed through that, we felt very clear the Lord was leading us towards that. And so we realized, or at least our impression was to start a home study in one state and to complete Mm -hmm. it in another state. Okay. And I think also I just recognize I'm not really good at doing more than one thing at a time. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Like, it's that's hard for me. Uh, So we put it off. So we moved out to San Francisco, felt a lot of clarity, like this is our focus. And so I think we got about three years in and the church was settled and stable Mm -hmm. and it's time. We felt that like it's time. prompting again to. Yeah. So we, Brad and I had both spent some time in China in college we were not at all committed to doing Chinese adoption but you know you, you see all these threads come back full circle mm-hmm. oh yeah we were open to where that where that comes from our adoption agency we had to decide right at the front US mm. or uh, international. international and yeah. so we were in San Francisco the way the local officials come into your home and make mm. decisions about how things are done. It was uncomfortable to us. Sure. And so we decided to go international. Okay. But it was great because we already have such a connection to that culture. And then our neighborhood in San Francisco was 40% Chinese. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cool. And so, and then there were some other things and, you know, white people were in the minority. So mm-hmm. it was a good place to bring him home to. Right. So any child in China, at least at the time, that is older than a certain age, I want to say older than three, um, goes into the special needs pile. Mm -hmm. And also special needs for them is a very broad term. It can be a birthmark on the face. It could be like Hmm. profound care. 
is needed. Right. So he was six and a half. They have this like portal system opens up once a month where new kids are added. And then your adoption agency, like, like everyone's on their computers, like waiting to rush in and grab a kid for you. So he was six and a half when we brought him home. And it is, you know him. He's Mm -hmm. high functioning. You look at him, there's nothing wrong. Right. So it's like, why was he in there so long? His diagnosis was mistranslated. So there's, you know, super long medical words. They sound very similar in English. And he was given one diagnosis. And so when we took the file, there's in the Bay Area in San Francisco, there's a a doctor who who specializes in medical adoption cases. Like (laughs) that specialized. So you take the file to her and she's like, there's no way he has this because he's walking. And if he had this, he probably wouldn't be walking. Right. We go and we bring him home. And there are some surprises. Our agency, they did a great job of really preparing us for Mm -hmm. like, there can be surprises. Sure. You know, that's the story of bringing him home. So he's been part of our family since he was six and a half. He's 15 now. Okay. Um, And you homeschool him. Is that correct? So we used to homeschool all of our kids. And Mm then um, we have him in an online school. Which is so cool. It is. So I, having actually homeschooled my kids um I know to the outside it looks like I'm homeschooling but I feel like I'm cheating because I don't grade his papers I don't and so he has other teachers who he's accountable to Mm -hmm. it takes it's hard enough sometimes being mom to a teenager and then adding the dynamic of being the teacher teacher too yeah it's hard on a lot of relationships and so we decided we we needed to pull back out of that source that Yes. It seems like it's such a good fit for him just from what I know of him. Yeah. Like because they allow him to be the really cool kid that he is and push him in that entrepreneurial spirit, which you and Brad also seem to do that very well too. Yeah. So I think that some people are born with it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to guess Adam is born with it. Yeah. We were not, but we Mm -hmm. wanted it. So Brad and I, you know, have done a lot to learn that and grow that, whereas I think Zillay is born with it. And we want all of our kids to have it. We want them to know, I don't have to get a job. Again, I'll probably have seasons that I do, but I also can start something. Like, right. And so we wanted to give that to our children. So the school he's at is called Valor Global Online, and um, they're very missional. Mm-hmm. So they're really big into serving and making an impact in culture and community. Right. And so... They actually want the kids comfortable on social media at the right age. Sure. You as a parent decide when the nest, but when you're, when you're ready, they have a whole class for that mm, and, wow. and for how to, how to use it, use the tool well. Right. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so they're, they're entrepreneurial, um, they're missional and they really do breathe life into the gifting of the kids mm. and they allow them to be rough and get to practice their thing. And so, so uh, so for him, you know, he's um, young and rough around the edges with his speaking, but he clearly has a gift for speaking. Mm -hmm. They'll hand that kid a microphone in front of several hundred people. I'm always like, and he does it though. Oh, he does. Cause he, it's, it's in him and they just have so much love and warmth and like Mm -hmm. when he needs some feedback they give him the gentle feedback and he's not the kid that would do well sitting in a classroom and but you know so many kids are not designed for the classroom they're Mm -hmm. they weren't built for that yeah and so it's great to have a place where he is thriving with that that's so cool how old were the kids when you decided that you wanted to be a health coach what what prompted you to pursue Mm -hmm. this field I know you were psychology so you always had that 
mind, body. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm kind of nerdy about it. I've always been interested in like what motivates us to do what we do, what helps us to grow, what Mm -hmm. helps us to learn, all that kind of thing. And so that's looked like different iterations. There's been seasons of heading up discipleship at a church. uh, And so that really kind of fits in that same category. But honestly, when we lived in San Francisco, Brad was a pharmacist full-time mm-hmm. night shift and he was a full-time worship pastor wow in our minds we went out there we thought this is going to be like a three-year thing and then time went on and it's seven and a half years down the road wow he's still doing this looking back I feel like oh my gosh that was so foolish like why did we do that for so long but Brad's a worker he's a pusher he's mm-hmm. a provider yeah he's an he doesn't complain I feel like Adam would probably be similar yeah, in a situation. You just do the work. You know, it's just, it's San Francisco. It's it's crazy expensive, right? Mm-hmm. But what we're doing is so good and, and valuable, and we're really so glad to be part of what we're doing. Right. And so we're willing to, to make these sacrifices. So anyway, he got burnt out. His health totally took a hit. He still has implications with his eyes to this day mm-hmm. um, That um, from that season it became clear that he had to let go of being the worship pastor at the church and he loved it but you know you can only do so much right we just prayed and he was going to pick up more hours at the pharmacy I was like you know can we just hang out for a little bit we have a little bit of savings can we just pray and see what the Lord provides so Brad and I had done program we had both had about 20 25 pounds to lose about four years before that okay of course it's a great program it works Mm-hmm. And we were just praying and basically a client dropped in my lap and I thought, I'm praying, I'm asking the Lord for income. This client has dropped in my lap. I'm like, I'm not going to be a fool. I'm going all in. Right. So that's how it started was just, it was provision. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to help people. I'm not one of those people who has that really specific calling. And I really believe most people don't have a specific calling. We have giftings. We have passions and different seasons mm-hmm. of our life and what's happening in the world is going to call for different uses of those giftings and passions, right? Right. And right now, 70% of the U.S. is overweight or obese. They need what I have, you know? And mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. and so uh, anyway, so all that to say, that's how it started. I went all in. That Yeah. So it wasn't like, oh, I want to be a health coach. Mm-hmm. So I have to say this, what you do is way more than just weight loss. I'm I'm not going to lie and say that that that's all I thought a health coach did. <laughs> Me you know, too. Me too. <laughs> help people diet to reach their physical goal, but I've since learned that we all adopt ideas and feelings around food and exercise and health that oftentimes need to be challenged and or changed, and I think Health coaching isn't about one diet or a single way of living. Instead, a well-educated health coach focuses on Mm bio-individuality, where we are all human beings and we're all different, and we have unique dietary, lifestyle, emotional, and physical needs. So what is a misconception that you think people have about you and what you do and how do you get past this to help people see the truth behind what you do? So I have a lot of compassion for this because I also was the diet person. Mm-hmm. I com- I came in, I think about, I thought back on this so many times. I'm like, I was not a great client. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, we, we have these 
incredible have the books right the habits of health system mm-hmm. that we take people through my coach is like you should read those and I was like <gasps> I gave mine away <laughs> yeah. um, I I get that you just want to lose the weight you're like I'm emotionally healthy person and I think what I've come to realize is all of us have room to grow mm-hmm. and if we have excess weight to lose and honestly some of us who don't have excess weight to lose there's usually some things that are off in our relationship with food. So finding out what those things are, recognizing it, going from being unconscious mm-hmm. with these things that the way we're fueling our body yeah. and treating our body to becoming really aware. That's the next step. And then, you know, after you become aware, then you can think through, well, how do I want to change this? What do I want to do about it? Mm-hmm. So really, I think the bulk of what I do as a health coach is mindset coaching. Right. And which is why I titled this, it's a mindset thing. Yeah. Because I feel like it's it's so much more than just changing what you eat. You know what I mean? It like, is. And it's lots of little things. Like someone the other day, this is a common one, they're like, I fell off the wagon. And that's tiny. It's not a big deal. We all know what you mean by that. Mm-hmm. But unconsciously, there is a part of that that is saying it's not my fault. Mm. Like, no one, like, chooses to fall. Right. Like, if you're literally on a wagon, you don't choose to fall. Like, it's sure. something happens and you fall, right? Mm-hmm. Food doesn't just fall in your mouth, right? Like, just even learning to say, I chose to eat the brownie when I wasn't planning to. Right. And not feel shame over it. Yes. Not making something moral that's not moral. So I like to talk about postmortem and pre-mortem. So postmortem, okay, so you ate the brownie. Are you pleased with that decision or not? And honestly, sometimes you are. Sometimes yeah, you're like, good. my daughter surprised me for my birthday and maybe a brownie. The best choice I could have made was eat that brownie. Then eat the brownie. You know what right. I mean? Love your kid. Mm-hmm. So then you're processing, okay, what... What happened? And if I could redo it, what would I do differently? John Maxwell says, we either win or we learn. I think that's a, a great way to say it. Hmm. And yeah. it's, it's only a failure if like you're not learning from it. You're not, you know, moving forward. And right. so, because we can't expect to have built patterns 30, 40, 50, 60 years over our life and to learn the lesson one time and never do it again. Yeah. We're going to have to, like, we're reworking those neural pathways, creating new neural pathways. It takes some time, and you got to have grace with Mm -hmm. yourself as you do that. Anyway, I could go on and on. but No, I love it. And I think you are so good at teaching people that we can love ourselves before, during, and after our health goals. And I feel like the sooner that we realize that we all have the value right now as we are exactly as we are the sooner we'll be willing to fight for better health mind body finances whatever that looks like how do you help people live in that focus I think as we're having this conversation there's so many things I think that's my passion point and you move to the next question I'm like that's my passion point (laughs) I love it I love it so but I really think learning to recognize what which part of what we're thinking is true and which part of it's not true? Mm. Where is that coming from? And then Dr. Amen, he says, you don't have to believe every stupid thought that goes through your head. Hmm. 
And I would say, and for God's sake, don't repeat the stupid thoughts that go through your head, but you have to have awareness. First, you have to ask yourself, is this true? And then I would add to that, is it moving me forward? Mm -hmm. Is it true? And is it moving me forward? So how do you teach people to take captive those lies? Yeah. Those thoughts that are not serving us. Yeah. So the first is recognition. You know, a lot of times I'm having conversation and I'm maybe abrupt with people and I'm like, that's not true. I'm just like, what you just said is not true. And they're like, no, but it is. And well, they want to fight for the lie that's being, they're repeating Mm -hmm. in their head. And, and so we'll go through and process those things. But the big thing is replacing it. Mm -hmm. So if we don't replace the falsehood that we're repeating to ourselves, the thing that's hurting us, that's wounding us, it's not coming from the Lord. Because I love this question. Would Jesus say that to you? Mm, If you have a thought, go through your head and people are fighting for it. Then what I'll say to them is, would Jesus say that to you? Hmm. And I've never had someone give me a wrong answer. Right. Because they don't, they know instinctively Jesus would not say that to them. And I'm like, why would you abuse yourself by saying that to yourself? Yeah. And so really coming to grapple with first recognizing truth, but then what is true and what moves you forward? So you have to replace that. You have to replace it. Uh, Is there a scripture that speaks to that? Is there just something else that you know is true? So often I'll give people suggested one, but I say you, you find what works for you. It's, there's no magic replacement for everything. I can give suggestions, but you have to have a plan so that the new trigger becomes, oh, I had that old thought mm-hmm. pass through my head. Wait, that's not true. And then I speak back to that and I speak the truth. And so there's a great, a lot of people, they just different names for this, but it's called the formula for transformation. Hmm. We have a, a circumstance and we have a thought about the circumstance. The thought leads to a feeling. The feeling leads to our actions and our actions lead to the results. So I'll give you an example. Yeah. You have the same circumstance can happen to two people. They lose their job. Okay. Okay. They get let go. That's happening to a lot of people right now. And one of them thinks, oh, this is terrible timing. The economy's down. The Fed's trying to put us in recession. Like, Mm -hmm. I can't believe I have to go find a job in this time. Okay. So the feeling is discouragement and, you know, not very motivated, right? So honestly, what is their action going to be? It's not going to be a lot, mm-hmm. right? That's true. Yeah. And the result is it's probably going to take them a long time before they get the new position, right? right. Mm-hmm. The other person is like, whoa. And they acknowledge like, okay, you know, it's yeah, going to be a gut a punch. Uh-huh. It's, a, it's a gut punch. Like you can still have that feeling. It's not like you're Pollyanna from the moment it first <laughs> yeah. happens. But then they have the thought, you know, honestly, Probably I needed to leave this job anyway. I'm probably going to find something better after this. I'm probably going to look back and think this was the best thing that ever happened. Mm-hmm. So if they have some kind of thoughts along those lines, the action is they get to work. Yeah. They get out there. They're looking. They're talking to people. They're letting people know, hey, I'm, I'm available. Right. You know, if you know someone, that kind of thing. They're out there talking. And they're looking with eyes of expectation. Yeah. Right? And the result is they're going to probably find something great a lot sooner. Mm-hmm. And same circumstance. So we often think it's our circumstances that determine what happens to us. It's not. It's, it's our thoughts. of our mindset. So yeah. are we choosing to mm-hmm. take those thoughts captive? I like to say, are we bossing them around? You got to preach to yourself sometimes, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. Have you read Atomic Habits? Yes. Okay. So, so good. James Clear, the author of that, says, it's rarely doing the work that it's hard. It's starting the work. Once you begin, it's often less painful to continue working. This is why in the beginning, it is often more important to build the habit 
of getting started than it is to worry about whether or not you're doing enough. Yes. I love that so much. But in order to get better, here's the kicker. <laughs> it has to change. You have to change and make change. And our thoughts, our perspectives, our insights, our tools to notice and regulate our emotions sometimes all have to change. And I think that change can feel so uncomfortable in all aspects of life, but often it's uncomfortable simply because it's unfamiliar. Yes. You know, and the possibilities of the life that you can create far outweigh any short term discomfort that we might experience. But change will not happen without our action. And there's only the decision made each day to choose something different. So how do you encourage people to get past that change is too hard mentality? That's such a good question. I I think part of it depends on what the area of life is. I mean, research shows that people, honestly, people who have a health scare, it's easier for them to make the change, Mm -hmm. you know, with health. Yes, right. Right. Always at some point coming back to why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. And, and I'll say, sometimes it's recognizing, do you really want it? Like thinking you want something and actually wanting it are two different things. So my whole life thought I wanted to sail. and Like be a sailor? Yeah, like learn oh. how to sail a, a sailboat. I want to be a sailor. And then I got to do a little tiny sailboat when I was in college, you know. And then, and so Brad, he listens, you know, and mm-hmm. he... He gets me for a gift, three sailing lessons. I'm like, this is so great. I'm so excited. Yeah. So we schedule and we go, and it was really fun for two lessons. (laughs) And then it wasn't? Well, and then I realized, I was like, oh, I just want a friend with a sailboat. I don't want to be in charge. (laughs) And so, because I was like, this is a lot of responsibility. This Mm -hmm. is a lot of work to make sure, you know, I'm not turning this thing over. Mm -hmm. And and I'm willing to do the work. I just don't want to be the boss. And so Mm -hmm. I think, so so for me, it was just this moment of like, I'm not willing to put in the work to become a competent captain of the ship, you know? And so, and that's okay. I think... Part of it is, do you actually want this? And so when I first start talking with someone, I say, okay, tell, tell me what you want to accomplish with your health. And so mm-hmm. they're, you know, often it's, you know, I want to lose 25 pounds or, I, uh, you know, I want to get off this medication. And then I like to go just a little bit deeper and say, okay, so you've lost the 25 pounds. You're off the medication. Now tell me, what are you going to be saying yes to that you're not currently saying yes to? So as they sit there and ponder that, they start picturing the reality of some new freedoms in their life. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes people don't even know that they're saying no to things until they think about what they would say yes to. Mm-hmm. So maybe they go to the beach with their kids, but don't put a bathing suit on and never get in the water with them. And they're like, well, I'd be getting in the water with my kids. Yeah. You know, um, some I've had grandmothers who were like, well, I've been sitting in the rocking chair with my grandkids and I want, but I, I'm too scared to get down on the floor and play with them because I don't think I can get back up. Hmm. that's a whole new level, right? Right. So when you get something really beautiful like that, mm-hmm. the, the change seems small. Right. In comparison. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and so sometimes it's, it, I feel like this is oversaid, but it's true. Is your why big enough? And, yeah. And, and sometimes, quite frankly, people aren't ready. Sometimes people get on the phone with me and 
they want the diet, they want the quick fix. And I'm like, I don't, I don't think this is the right fit. Yeah. For, we're going to both be frustrated. You'll be frustrated with me, you know, and I, I don't like helping people who don't want to actually. Who aren't make, ready yet. Yeah. 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 Make that commitment. Tell us about some of the health changes that you have been able to see in your clients after working with them. So during COVID, I had one couple who we think COVID was hard, but it was really hard in certain parts of the country. And mm-hmm. I have a lot of Bay Area clients and it it's still ramifications on them emotionally, psychologically. Oh, I bet. And, uh, and Being so shut down. and Yeah. And I think just the political atmosphere feeling so frustrated with the other both sides yeah right yeah. just a lot more anger like if you're feeling shut down and you keep thinking other people are causing that sure anyway this couple both wanted to not lose a tremendous amount of weight and maybe 20 30 pounds each mm-hmm. and so they gave up their whiskey habit every night and they started doing five minutes a night at the life book together hmm. and they talk about how transformative it was for their marriage and the trajectory of their life. Like it's because wow. it was a keystone habit. Basically, you get one habit in place. Other things start falling into place. Mm. And because you get control of one area of your life. Right. You feel empowered and then you get confident. I can actually do this. Do this other thing. Mm. Uh, and then so we've had uh, we do sometimes we do what we call leaning green events. Mm-hmm. And um, I had one a few months ago. And just happened like three of the couple, three of the people there were couples who were like, this changed our marriage. And that's been one of the things I wouldn't have said would, yeah, come out of it. Yes. There's other things and, you know, we can never promise. There are just things associated with weight loss. It's not my program in particular, but, you know, lots of people coming off medication. That's very common with weight loss. It's it's rare to not come off of certain kinds of medication with weight loss. Mm -hmm. And and then I've had uh, people who, again, that's just associated with weight loss, not our program per se, but who in their 40s having their first baby – yeah. Who couldn't before. Wow. That's cool. And um, it's so beautiful, right? It is, yeah. Yeah. And then I, I um, had a client. He was in his 70s. And his whole reason to do this was because pastors in India wanted him to come train them. And he had to hike through villages. And he's like, I'm not healthy enough to hike oh, wow. through the villages. So so just getting people to a place where they, for me, I think, as long as I'm alive on this earth, I want to make sure I'm not doing anything that's going to create where I can't say yes to the Lord. Now, listen, there's physical stuff we cannot control. Sure. These bodies are going to break down mm-hmm. at some point. Um, but I want to make sure it wasn't choices that I made. And that's what I see people doing is getting back control over that. Mm. Getting back ministry that they had lost. Yeah. You know. So speaking on the control aspect, I basically want to be in control of how I'm perceived by others. Oh, me too. <laughs> I want to be in control of what others think of me. Uh, basically, I just want to be in control, which are things that I'm dealing with personally. But I often feel like the root is to feel safe. Yes. And it feels really unsafe to not be in control of people's perceptions of us. Because yes. if we can't, then there is a possibility that they could choose to judge us or reject us or decide to think uh, something about us that isn't true. So why do you feel like we so often seek to control things around us? Mm. 
Yeah. I, okay. So you, I think you said safe. If mm-hmm. you want to feel, yeah. And I think we think we will be at peace, right? Mm-hmm. If if it's under control, and we're not meant to find our peace in our circumstance, right? And that's so yeah. there's one place for peace, and that's waiting on the Lord. Mm-hmm. But our default nature just keeps coming back into, but I can do this. Yeah. I've got everything I need in me, mm-hmm. but I don't. That's, that's what fallen Christ is, is saying. I don't have what I need. Right. I can't be better. Mm-hmm. I can't. On my own. Yeah. Right. 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 Without the Holy right, Spirit, right. without the work of the Lord, I can't do it. One of my best friends, she says, it's none of your business what other people think of you. That's what I wrote down next, Mary. Oh, and I just... I said, I've heard you say before that other people's thoughts are about you are none of your business. People mm-hmm. will judge us no matter yeah. what we do. So yeah, what are some questions that you encourage your clients to visit in order to get out of a moment where they're tempted to like let the possible thoughts of others get in a position to control us and what we do. Oh, and this is true of all of us. So mm-hmm. I feel like when I speak about these things, I I want people to know it's not like I haven't struggled with. It. It's not like this is easy for me. Yeah. And it's not like I don't still struggle. The only reason it's top of mind and I can speak to it is because I'm still working on it. Right. But one thing I think is realizing, I'm going to go two directions with this because mm-hmm. I train coaches and a lot of them it's like, what are people going to think of me as I build a business? Entrepreneurs are really putting themselves out there. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you change and do something new, people are critical of that. And they think they need to give you feedback on that, right? Right. One thing is knowing I will be misunderstood. So this week, I've just really been meditating on that, you know, Jesus's arrest and, before, you know, and then going in his trial and, and seeing like he was misunderstood and he allowed himself to be misunderstood. He For didn't the end goal. He yeah. didn't he didn't feel the need to correct everything, right? And um and so for me because I'm a fighter, I was raised that way, to stand up for myself and for others, the act of faith honestly is often not defending myself. There are other people because their build is to not have confrontation. The act of yep. faith is to have the conversation. So I don't want to say one's right or wrong. Right. You have to listen to the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. in that. But the but the other thing, as someone said the other day, and I thought it was great, because I always said, you will be misunderstood. So I, I think expecting it is mm-hmm. helpful. You're like, oh, this is one of the times I'm going to, yeah, I'm being misunderstood. Yep, here right. it is. Not, not yeah. surprised. Um, but you know what? It's okay. It's okay to be misunderstood. So that was, that was um, one side of it. Okay, so the other side is go- in health situations as humans i think biologically we connect over the table right yeah. look at the last supper mm-hmm. right look at cultures throughout the world the mandalorian it's like this really weird thing because they don't eat together right uh-huh. you're like how weird would that be so eating together so it is a strong biological urge to eat together and to eat the same thing mm-hmm. with other people so when people have a goal and they're eating something different Often, like, that's the, the fear of, like, what are they going to think of me mm-hmm. if I don't have the margarita? So par- part of it is, in that situation, is learning to be proactive. If you're hanging out with people who are for you, you just have to say, hey, guys, I have a goal right now. And I just appreciate your support. 
I could easily be tempted into margaritas and brownies. So mm-hmm. please don't even offer it to me. You know, if you're hanging out with healthy people, they're always gonna be like, awesome, great. Yeah. And some of them are gonna want to join you. Right. <laughs> Let's cheer you on. Right. Yeah. So every once in a while, you get some pushback. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna say that person, if they can't support you, I, maybe you need a little less time with them in your life. Like that's not the kind, you yeah, have to be careful. Are they for you? I know. Th- those are dynamics you have to talk through. I, there's lots of nuance to that, obviously. Sure. Um, with family members and whatnot. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so one is, is being proactive. And here's the other thing is, I mean, we say this to our kids all the time. And as adults, we forget it. People are thinking about you way less than you think they are. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's true. Right. And we think if we order soda water with lime, all our friends are gonna be like, why aren't you drinking alcohol with me? When your friends probably don't even notice. Not even thinking. Yeah. At the end of the day, like we're still looking for approval horizontally when we're really man- like we are designed to just have our father enjoy us and us enjoy our father. Like that's what we're designed for. Mm-hmm. And we keep trying to fill that hole with this, these horizontal relationships. These things matter. We're made for horizontal relationships too. But really the one thing we need to know is, is the father delighting in me? Mm-hmm. Is he pleased with me? Yeah. And if you can answer yes to that. And, and so, but again, this is preaching to yourself. You got to keep coming back to that. Right. Right. And because uh, we want to be accepted by our tribe, by our people. Yeah. You are such a special person to me. You truly, well, you've helped me, but you also help people realize their potential and achieve their goals. You are passionately committed to making a positive difference in people's lives. And I believe that you are helping to change the mindset of people all around you. You are helping to provide opportunities for individuals to deepen their self-awareness, explore their options, set priorities, develop action plans, make progress on their goals, all while helping them know that they are worthy of love and the time that it takes to reach their goals. I am constantly inspired by your courage that it takes for you to help people to confront their fears make changes in their lives, and I am impacted by you daily. Uh, Your peaceful, powerful presence changes things, and for that, I'm grateful to have you in my life. You know how to shift a room when you enter it. You embody confidence, yet humility, and those are amazing things to strive for. You are a world changer and an impact maker, and I'm so glad that I know you. Thank so. you. You have overflowed my cup. No, oh, I'm so Thank glad. you. Lastly, as I end every episode, I like to ask, what is one thing that a person has said or done for you that you believe changed the trajectory of your life? I love this question. I feel bad because I can't think of who said it to me. That's okay. I wanted to give credit, but I can look back and this is really given clarity to all the steps of faith I've been able to take in my life. And the question is, the order of questions matters. So first is the what. Lord, what do you have me to do? Right? Okay. And then ask the how. And I think the temptation often is to say, how could this work? And if I can't see how it could work, then clearly it's not the what. I want to have things in my life happen that only God could do. Mm -hmm. That means I'm going to have to have a what that I can't see the how. 
Yeah. And, and so I think of the Israelites, you know, crossing over and like they stepped into water. They had the what? Right. Their feet are wet. Mm-hmm. They're not knowing the how. And but they're still trusting. But they did the what? Yeah. They followed the what? They got their feet wet. And then the how became clear. Hmm. So I think that's the best advice I've ever been given is like, don't let the how distract from the what. Just get really clear. Get alone with the Lord. If you're unclear, fast. Get friends praying with you. Mm-hmm. Get clear on the what. And let the that. Lord work out the how. I love that. So good. I always so enjoy our conversations. Me too. I'm such a Tracy fan. Oh, you're sweet. And thanks to Tara for introducing us, right? Yeah, I know. It's always so encouraging. So I will have you back again sometime soon. So thanks again for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening. I will be taking a couple of weeks off as we have some traveling coming up. So make sure you are subscribed to be notified when the next episode will air. I have got some really great things coming. If you have been enjoying our episodes and you'd like to support the podcast, please share the episodes with others. Make sure that you are following or subscribe wherever you listen and leave a rating or review. It means so much to me. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me um, on the Ignite Impact podcast on Facebook and sign up for my weekly newsletters at igniteimpactpodcast.com. Thanks again and until then.